Good evening everybody, welcome to Let's Talk Assassin's Creed, your number one podcast for all things Assassin's Creed. Now, in this episode we're going to be taking a look at Wrath of the Druids. Now this is going to be a three parts, or two part series, whatever I managed to come up with. This interview questions was caught before early access, but due to me mixing up the dates with the Mentors Guild interview, I wasn't able to drop this out on the day Rafa Druids came out. So I do apologise. Um, big thank you to everyone that's actually donated and helped us get the next-gen console because we should be able to do a part two where I've actually played Rafa the Druids very soon. There's been no updates, I know. I've been very quiet. And that's because GoFundMe is taking a while to get the money out. Apparently they don't like using weekends to withdraw money, so it's four days from the 22nd, which is Saturday, so it'll be four days from Monday till the money's cleared, so I should be able to have it this time, a week on Monday I should be able to have it, but I promise you it's getting all sorted, it's just a waiting game. So big shout out to Masonic Spoon, I think that's his, I think that's his name, really cool name, um, fellow mentor, and Yes, Masonic Spoon on Instagram. Check him out. Some really good um, cosplay images. He's a really decent bloke. So thank you for giving me the information. And so, yeah, let's just jump in. So the first question I asked is something I talk to death about, and that's werewolves. Because werewolves do have an interesting take in Irish mythology and Irish folklore, which we did discuss. But it also has a possibility to lean way too heavily on Isu. Now, prior to the questions, it did come out from the developers of the DLC that there is no Isu connection, which is very weird. It's like we have to piece it together because they don't want to break continuity. So if you've got the DLC, but you want to complete the first mission, you're not going to have Endgame spoiled, which is a perfect accessibility route. But a little bit jarring for those who, like me, who've beat the game and want a bit more fleshed out. So, werewolves. Biggest question I asked was, are werewolves crowned and without relying on Isu? He said, the werewolves in game can be terrifying creatures and can be difficult to beat depending on the level and items you have. When I first fought one, I was level 240, around about that. Even then, they can pack a punch. But I also like how they are in game. They are only available when the pagan enemies are around. And this is because uh, they're introduced with pagan flame, green smoke, like mist that causes allusions to Eivor. Reading that, I leapt for joy. And the reason I leapt for joy is they're not real, which is fantastic. Knowing that these werewolves have no continuity effect on Assassin's Creed lore, they're not real creatures, they're not real abominations, it's just an illusion similar to the Flight Agaric missions, the Daughters of Lurie, Daughters of Luria, Lorion? Was it Lorie? Oh wait, no, Lorie Shampoo. <laughs> daughters of King Leah, oh, them, them daughters, I'm getting myself tongue-tied tonight. So, knowing that they don't rely on the Isu Crooks is fantastic. Now, I do still have some doubts because 
there's going to be that mechanic difference. Um, a human enemy may be able to move his arms in X, Y, and Z direction, but the werewolf could probably move his arms in a faster motion. So, normal human can't pick up a rock, but the werewolf can. You know, it's kind of jarring. Why, if it's a man that turns into a werewolf, why is he suddenly watching boulders? But in my mind, I slightly don't mind because it's just video games. They're not supposed to focus 100% on reality, and if they did, then you'd probably lose some magic of video games. So, knowing that it's a missed system, and knowing that even if continuity, they're a bit far-fetched, like if it's a man with a walking stick who uses the mist and suddenly becomes six-foot werewolf who can throw a boulder side of a house, yeah, even if you're tripping, that's not going to seem, because you'll know if you get hit by a boulder. <laughs> but I don't mind. It's werewolves. It's a mist. Um, one disappointment I am with have with the werewolves, you know, I am really excited. Is I was hoping there was gonna be some quests uh, around werewolves, where the werewolves aren't really werewolves, but the real wolves that people assume are werewolves. So I, I know um, he says that it's introduced with pagan flame. So maybe because I haven't actually looked at any DLC spoilers. That they're wolves, that we illusion as werewolves, because that'd be dope. Still, then, if it's a wolf, how is a wolf launching a boulder? But that's game logic. Let's not pluck at that string. <laughs> so the second question I had is: Does this? How does this DLC feel compared to the last games? Now, the reason I'm asking the last games and not the entire franchise is I'll openly admit that before Unity. I had no Wi-Fi. I played these Assassin's Creed games growing up, not knowing they had DLC type content, and not knowing they had an online multiplayer, especially for Brotherhood. So I did leave a very offline world, which was fine. And it wasn't until Unity where I tried Dead Kings and Syndicate with Jack the Ripper that I started to notice AC has some really good DLCs. But with how Valhalla is part of an mythology series, I thought it's best to look at mythology style DLCs we've got. And that's why I picked Fate of Atlantis and Curse of the Pharaohs for comparison. And he put, I think the DLC feels more like Curse of the Pharaohs, as it had many similarities, but it's also like Fate of Atlantis. The reason is that Fate of Atlantis has a brand new separate location to the main map. But the Curse of the Pharaohs had a map expansion. Uh, Wrath of the Druids is a new location in AC that's never been seen, so it had the elements of AC, but it had elements of Curse of the Pharaohs for its story and lore. Now, this is really good because Curse of the Pharaohs does have like a little area and it's really compact, but Atlantis world is a lot bigger, so having a bigger world to explore has been really excited. So. Um, I've not seen screenshots, but I have seen photos of people in Ireland, and Ireland looks beautiful. I am part Irish, and I've always wanted to go to Ireland, so if I can do it in a game, I'll do it in a game. This also had me excited because Curse of the Pharaohs is one of my favourite DLCs. It was very high fantasy, but grounded in Isu. I love Fate of Atlantis, as I've explained. I do love it how it works, what it sets up. 
but sometimes Fate Atlantis got a bit jarring, you know, fighting Cerberus in Hell looked a bit confusing, and I didn't understand fully why these Isu realms represent Greek Hell, well, Paradise and Greek Hell. So I do need to look more into the um, Fate of Atlantis lore. But the fantasy side that Fate of Atlantis brought with how the Sphinx, the Cyclopses, and Medusa were all Peace of Eden created human hybrid thingies was really also intriguing. So hearing that this DLC has some of that mystery and sci fi slash mythology side from both Curse and Fate, but also a massive integrated world, well, map extension that's not been seen is also really good so having it feel like them two dlcs has me really excited now i am really drooling to play it i will admit i've seen a lot of chatter and a lot of hype about it and curse of the pharaohs when i played it i did probably think it was one of the best dlcs i've ever played just how the map was one small area of egypt but also free dlc afterlives which, when you think of Curse, um, Fate of Atlantis, it's just kind of the same, you know, a new, well, no, it's Atlantis, but so it's not really a new world, it's like a small hub world with three um, worlds, but they were a lot bigger than the afterlife, and Elysium is just so beautiful, and Hades is also quite nice, in a darkish way. I don't know, I'm going off on a tangent again. <laughs> so, the first que third question is less about the DLC, but more what he enjoys about the DLC. And the reason for this is I'm really intrigued to see if there's anything that captures Masonic's eye that we or Arrow really enjoy when I actually get a chance. And he's told me that the best feature that he personally enjoys was the reward system they gave in place. In the DLC, there are trade posts that give you materials and resources used to trade for rewards, such as weapons and armors. It's also used as a Dublin leveling up system. The more you level up, the more rewards you can earn. It also gives you materials to use for upgrades, trade posts to make more efficient in material gathering. But as a side thing, as an Irish person, I love how the DLC shows the beauty of Irish land and the culture. It's a beautiful thing to get to experience. As half Irish, that has me excited. You know, I could easily hop on a ferry and go to Ireland, but that's kind of on a ferry. It's easy to boot up Valhalla and go to Ireland that way. <laughs> but uh, I will touch on the beauty does sound amazing because Valhalla has such a really good looking world. Uh, England is captured beautifully, even though it's very big and there's some areas where there's not a lot to do because it's countryside, but how they were able to capture different biomes, how each little city looks nice, how Jorvik captures one energy while London captures another. So if they put that into Ireland, I think it would just be fantastic. You know, Roman hills, you could just nicely go across and rainbows. I saw rainbows. Everyone's getting excited for rainbows, and I'm looking for gold when I get the DLC at the end of the rainbow. That's my mission. The trade system, um, I like the sound of, but I don't understand why that it wasn't in base game. 
Now, I know this sounds a nitpicky thing, but if the train system helps level up Dublin, which sounds really good because in that time it was like a little trade route, everybody worked together. So it's really great that they're integrating it. But how Ravensforp in the main game is just, you know, your area. It would be cool if we could trade with other areas as well from Ravensforp in the base game. I kind of assume that's how we'd get materials instead of constantly raiding. But that's maybe a nitpicky. The trade pass also makes me slightly excited because if I remember correctly, the homestead from Assassin's Creed 3 also did feature a, a system where you could get resources trading. Well, it wasn't really trade, it's more gathering. And it really needs to play the remaster for that. So it's nice to see that an old system is coming back, essentially, where you can get trade and you can water it. It does seem it's a bit more different. You know, it's not about your area building up. This is more of a city that's building up. But you're getting resources for weapons and armor, which I think that's how you get the links. I've seen like screen grabs of a links, which someone must have given the links very big steroids because I think links is meant to be very small feral cat. So riding one to one has is a bit strange, but it's nice to see that there is a lot of fleshed outness to the DLC. There's the werewolves. I don't know why they're going to come into it. The story of children of Danu. The cultural, which sounds fantastic, you know, how they capture it, but also the trade system. That has me amazed. So I know this is a short episode, but this is all we do have time for. This is all the questions I managed to ask. I could have asked more, and I should have asked more, but the reason I didn't is I want to go into the DLC as blind as possible. I have seen screenshots of werewolves, which had me drooling. I have seen comments and theories about the DLC, but I've tried to keep myself spoiler free as much as possible. So when I came to Maison Experience when I got early access through the Mentals Guild, I only wanted to focus on three areas that wouldn't spoil too much, because I really don't think the trade system is very spoilery, and I don't think the werewolves were very spoilery. So this is where these questions were created, just to be something where we could get a brief look at the sister and plus if I didn't get my dates mixed up with the Mentos Guild interview, I wasn't too sure how Embargo works, so I was trying to be very spoiler-free and, you know. I have a diary, yet I still mixed up dates. Don't, don't know why. So, thank you very much for the experience for all this information. I am actually more excited. Um, Once he told me this in the early access, I kind of just did get overhyped a little bit, just for what I could play and how it's going to feel. So when I got the console that you guys so happily helped donate and I cannot thank you enough. And I'm gonna find a way to say thank you. So I am planning something that's gonna give back to you, but I just don't know what it is yet. Um maybe it'd be a shiny nameplate, I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying my hardest just to thank you for your support and I'm not very good at what I can do because I'm still new, new to how communities work. So thank you again to everyone supported. I am so excited to finally get a chance to play a DLC and offer my thoughts. If you guys have any thoughts on the DLC, then please message me at Assassin's Creed Let's Talk at gmail.com. Forgot my email for a second. Or Twitter at AC Let's Talk. 
if you have any ideas for future shows or you want to get involved, then message me from AZ Let's Talk. My DMs are always open. Or you can tag me. If you've got anything cool that you want me to see on Twitter, you know, if you've got like a new screen grab or um, somebody tagged me the other day on a really unique trip around uh, Victorian London through Syndicate from the train angle, uh, that was a really cool tweet to see. So if you've got anything like that you want to show me and I can, you know, tweet back, come find me on Twitter. But um, thank you all for listening and I'll see you all next week.